Hello, welcome to Don't Call Me Exotic. I'm Oani O. I'm a DJ, radio presenter, and promoter. This is the podcast where I invite people in the creative field to come talk to me about diversity, culture, personal experiences of racism, both in life and in their careers. This is the second live recording of this podcast, and it was recorded on the 17th of August in the courtyard of Somerset House. There was a lot of rain, a lot of flooding, a lot of thunder and lightning on this day. So I'd like to thank everyone that came down. And I'd also like to thank everyone at Somerset House, Gareth Pugh and Carson McCall for curating the month-long celebration of community and culture called This Bright Land. I hope you enjoy it. Firstly, thank you so much to everyone for coming. I know it's been the worst weather we've had in about like six months. But um, yeah, I really appreciate everyone making their time to come down. Um, also, I want to thank Somerset House um, and Lucy. Shout out Lucy. Woo, Lucy. Woo. Shout out to Lucy. Um, also to Carson McCall and uh, Gareth Pugh for putting this whole month-long celebration together. Um, if you haven't heard the podcast before, it's called Don't Call Me Exotic. And um, yeah, my name is Annie. I DJ. I'm an events promoter. And I'm a podcaster and radio presenter. And this is the podcast where I speak to other people of color in the creative industry um, about how they're killing it in the creative industry um, and doing amazing things, uplifting culture and community. And we also talk about how racism is fucking us up, mm. but thriving anyway. Um, but I'd like to welcome my next guests, um, two producers from the best party in London, Maya Memi and Ryan Laval, that, <laughs> Lavelle, sorry, from Pussy Palace. Yes. <laughs> How are you guys? Good, I'm feeling good. Sorry, I'm very loud. I just have to keep in the mic already. I think I'm a bit, okay, here we go. I'm here. Hi, <laughs> hi everyone. <laughs> so I know you guys promote the best parties in London. You know you guys promote the best parties in London. Yeah. But for people who aren't familiar with Pussy Palace, can you guys tell me, um, you know, introduce yourselves and tell me your roles within Pussy Palace mm -hmm. and about Pussy Palace itself? Okay, so um, my name is Maya, she, her, and I'm a producer. I'm Ryan, um, they, them, I'm producer as well. Yeah, and Pussy Palace is basically a space, an intentional club space, we prioritise and centre black and brown trans folk and queer women. Um, and we do that in a number of ways. We do that through making sure that we are booking majority black and brown queer people, trans people. We're making sure that we have a tiered ticket system. So our put our, the audience that we centre gets in for the cheapest amount. So black and brown um, trans women and uh, black and brown trans folk and queer women will get in for the cheapest amount and then allies following that and then like straight cishet men last um, and they pay the most amount because we don't want them there <laughs> um, and yeah I guess I guess it's, it's, it's a constant cycle and a constant kind of um, what's that thing called conveyor belt of like feedback and picking it up and like consuming it and then yeah. changing the party and the space kind of thing. So yeah. yeah. How about you, Ryan? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Maya's pretty much captured the essence of Pussy Palace. It's just a place for our community to come and explore and to find themselves and just to express themselves, really. I find that a lot of the babes don't have a lot of spaces like Pussy Palace and that gets echoed every party we can't we, we, we produce. Mm. Um, so yeah, just yeah, that's Pussy Palace. 
<laughs> so how long have you guys been working with Pussy Palace? Um, I, everyone asks me this and I'm like, I smoke so much weed, I don't know. <laughs> but it's defo coming on for like five, six years. Wow, it's around so there almost like me. from the beginning. Well, yeah, almost. I think I, ca- I, I joined a year after they had been out of the house. So obviously Nadine who founded it, they, they were running it from the house for I think a couple of years before it actually came out. When and you then, say yeah. the house, like... Their house. Their house. Yeah. Yeah. Their house Literally house. their house. It started as a house party. <laughs> Pussy Palace started as a house party. And then, yeah, a year after they brought it into the clubs is when I, when I joined. And that's when it all got so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh. I actually joined Pussy Palace just over a year ago, wow. July last year. And I started off as like a five-hour like, intern. I was just doing the emails and like BTS. And I've just kind of like worked my way up now. So yeah, it's gotten so much better with me there too. Yes, it <laughs> no, has. I can confirm. I can <laughs> confirm. Our emails actually work now. It does. <laughs> no, yeah. um, with the actual event itself, I feel like there's so many moving parts to it. So there's, you know, obviously, and also like all the sick DJs. You guys both DJ. I've DJed. Um, actually, Ryan said that. Just, uh, killed They're just They're friends. Loved my set the most. Yeah, And I was like, tell Maya. <laughs> Wait, what? What'd you say? Tell what her. Tell my, what, what? That, um, and he killed that set. Oh, duh. Like, hello. <laughs> but we already knew. I knew you killed it before you came. I was like, yeah, and he killed her set. They're like, she played you. I was like, yeah, have you had any play? Like, <laughs> oh, I just wanted that recorded on the podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the event, there's, there's so much going on. So, you have uh, the runway. You have, obviously, different rooms um, with different types of music as well, mm. but not, you know. Yeah. Um, you have the sanctuary, and yeah, if you can kind of like tell people about you know all those moving parts, and also um, the intention behind like the taxi fund, which is amazing. Yeah, if you can. Which one you yeah. want to tackle, girl? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, okay. So yeah, you're right. There's a lot. There's actually a lot that we offer within Pussy Palace to try and to try and make it um, as beneficial to our community as possible. So yeah, I guess. Like you said, you, you touched on the sanctuary space. So at every party, every one of our big monthly parties that we do, we have a sanctuary space, which is a more chill area. We have vendors there. Um, we have food there a lot of the time. And it's a space where it's kind of sober, but people still kind of bring drinks there and whatever. But it's, it's a more chill space where you can chill, decompress, chat, catch up, vibe, unwind. And that's really, really important because we understand that, especially in our community, um, going out can come with a lot of trauma, a lot of anxiety, just a lot of everything. So sometimes you need that moment to just chill and just decompress. So that's really important. And like the neurodivergence within our community, a lot of gay babies get like very overstimulated. Yeah, so it's kind of really needed. And I thought that's the best thing I had because I hadn't been to Pussy Palace before I started working, but. That's the thing I love the most about Pussy Palace, the fact that there's this little like quiet space. You can go and like read magazines and just chat and chill with people. It's just, I think that's mm. my favorite part. So. And, then, um, and then, like you said, we've got, so we have two, right now we're working with two rooms where we do different music. So the main room is predominantly, like I'd say, we've kind of had to move with what our audience likes. So we noticed since coming back from the pandemic that our audience, a majority of them just wanted to listen to like hip hop, R&B, bashment, dancehall, and songs with words that they could really just sing along to and scream along to. So we keep the main room that type of vibe, but then 
we have the other room as well, which is more club, more world, just people have more room to get creative, I guess. Well, not creative, that's the wrong word, because you can still be super creative in the main room, in the main but just room. Yeah. a little bit more, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a sing-along, babes, so I barely go in there. So I, I like upstairs, it's just for a different crowd, you know what I mean? You know yeah. what you're going to get in the main room, but upstairs is just a little bit more like... Mm. more niche genres of music so yeah it's just nice complement each other very well definitely and that's something that came out of a less like again what i said earlier about us constantly having to take feedback from the community i think us splitting up the rooms came out of a kind of feedback and sense that we were getting that we just weren't tapping into enough of like the musical identities within our community like it was very easy for us to just be like, oh yeah, everybody just wants to listen to WAP on repeat, like that. <laughs> but there are actually bare people in our community that don't want to listen to WAP. Like they, all, they just want to listen to like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I guess um, trying to, yeah, not homogenize, because uh, we're guilty of doing it sometimes yeah. too, you know, and just listening to everybody's voices and feeding back on that, yeah. And the taxi fund, because I've never seen that before. Yeah, so the taxi fund, I think that started happening, what, like three, four, maybe, yeah, like three, four years ago. Um, and again, came out of a need, because we were recognizing that we have so many people that come to Pussy Palace, but don't ever go out outside of that past a certain time, like Pussy Palace, is very much a place that they look forward to coming to once a month, and that's it, that's, the, that's it for them. Because, you know, being a trans person, stepping out of your own front door sometimes can be a form of resistance and can definitely put you at so much risk. So, we recognize that a lot of our community were enjoying coming to Pussy Palace, but we're experiencing so much anxiety on the way to Pussy Palace and on the way back. Um, and we wanted to try and tackle that. So yeah, we created a taxi fund, by which people can donate, and then that money goes towards taxis for our trans guests and for our disabled guests. Wow, no, that's amazing. Like, I've not actually gone out, and I'm a promoter myself, and like, I feel bad, because I'm just like, <laughs> make your own way out. I need to pay for my own cab. No, but um, when people describe their first Pussy Palace experience, um, they use words like, it was spiritual, it's like changed their lives, and um, with that, do you almost, I, I wanted to know your relationship to it, but also, like, with that, do you almost feel like a type of responsibility, because it means so much to people, mm. and I don't personally think there's a right or wrong yeah. answer to it, but I'm just curious. Well, let's, let's go with you first. <laughs> Ooh, um, I think... I actually was quite far removed from that life in general before I started working at Pussy Palace. Like, I never felt comfortable in, in, in going out. And I didn't have um, a lot of, I didn't go to a lot of queer events either. So I guess I completely understand where the guests come from. I think now working in that life, it's very challenging for us. People think that, you know, you know, we just wake up in the morning, we book the DJs in a day, book the venue, and then they just come, and it's just, you know, kumbaya, everything's great, quick, easy. But it takes a lot of time, and we work, we work a lot, um, especially, like, our, our club night. We put a lot of effort into the care aspect of the, night, of, the night, of the nightclub. So it's very challenging for us, but I think that, yeah, it's very rewarding as well. At the end of it, when you get to the end of the night and you see everybody dancing and enjoying themselves and having a great time, like, you get that feeling as what well. it is spiritual for us. We feel mm. that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, it's challenging, but it's great. 
it's very challenging, but I think we put in all that work because of what you said. Like, it, we recognize it is such a liberating, life-changing thing that we're offering here. And I know that it changed my life, you know? Um, and I was, I was just somebody who came to Pussy Palace, didn't really know, I was kind of none the wiser. I came to Pussy Palace and didn't know what cis meant. I didn't know what, I, I, I kind of felt like queer was still a bad word. So when people kept saying it in Pussy Palace, I was like, you lot are very problematic. Like, what is going on here? So I've really, really come on such a huge journey like from my first experience there. But it, I, I, I relate to all the people that come and they tell us that feedback. I just, I relate so much. It's like, you don't even need to say it to me. I understand. Um, so I guess that's why we do put all that work in and, and we do... We do go the extra mile to, to, to do the work that feels super, super challenging because, yeah, it's, it's really it's important. Because we need to, we're birthing queer people, basically, and that's very important. Like, we want the majority of the world to be queer at one point. That is the agenda. No, I'm joking. I'm just kind of like, You touched upon the tiered ticketing before, but I know earlier this year there was some backlash. <laughs> Want to talk about that backlash? Yeah, that was so fun. We enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved it. Trolling. Um, so basically, yeah, as I touched on before, we have a tier ticketing system. So breaking that down, the like the lowest price point is for black and brown trans folk and black and brown queer women, and then. The second lowest price point, I think, is like... Queer men. Yeah, queer, black and brown men. Um, and then we have, and then we have like, nice. a price point. Oh, yeah, it's like queer, black and brown men. And then we've got a price point for, like, white, queer people. And then we've got a price point for, like, white, queer people and, like, black and brown, straight women. And then we've got, like, the highest price point for cishet men. But what the media picked up on is that there's a huge jump. So I think the price point for, like queer white people and straight black and brown women is like, I don't know, in the 20s. It's 22.50. Right, this is our money, babe. <laughs> um, and the last, the final price point for cishet men was like oh, 120 pounds. So yeah, the media picked up on it and were like, like you guys hate men, like ah. And I think initially it was like some right wing American that picked up on it <laughs> and then put it on her Twitter and then it blew up and then we had like the Daily Mail and just all of like Everybody. the creme de la creme of British <laughs> <laughs> journalism on our arsehole. And um, yeah, it was quite, it was quite crazy for, for a little while. It, it, it turned into a bit of a media storm, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was very intense. Like yeah. a lot of the major journalists picked it up Twitter was blowing off everything and we actually got a lot of hate from that emails a lot of racist transphobic homophobic yeah. everything in our DM, in our inboxes personal emails it was insane yeah it's kind of crazy yeah how do you how do you deal with that we all dealt with it in our own different way I can't <laughs> lie we were all so like Nadine was Nadine was not feeling it. <laughs> Nadine was like, this shit is a lot. How were you feeling? I was in a bit of, but I was kind of like, oh my gosh, this is a gag. Like, I've never been like BTS of like a media <laughs> storm before, but I'm also like super anxious and like, what the hell is happening right now? Like, are people going to mm. come to my door? Like, that's really crazy to think about, but I was like, what's like, what can these people do? Like, they just have access to so much of our information. They know who mm. we are. So like, what, what's going to come of this? But um, it was a couple of days. It was a few days. And then yeah, it was the best part of a week, really. That's yeah. it. And then it blew over. 
And me, I had just come off the back of like a personal, like, internet e attack that was quite intense. Like, because yeah. the Sikh community, well, the Sikh Twitter community very much hate me. So <clears throat> I had just come off the back of dealing with that for like a good few weeks. So when this happened, I was basically like to them, yeah. listen, this is all you lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually all you lot. I need to rest. Yeah. Like, I need to rest. So, yeah, I was kind of numb to it. I let them deal with it. But you actually raised the prices, didn't you? Oh, yeah, we for raised the, the prices. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, I forgot we about that. Do. Yeah, we raised the prices. We made the man's ticket. It went from £120 to, like, 1120 <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. Has anyone ever paid the £100? I don't think anybody back. has. But no. one thing that I do know... Oh, no, it did happen once, but not something that we put online. It was in person someone tried to come I think two straight people tried to come oh, okay. I heard this story and then they had to pay £100 cash on the door and then that's where Nadine got the idea from so that's why we started to do it on, okay. on Dice yeah. I mean yeah since we've actually put the tiered ticket system no. in I don't think anybody has bought it per se but what I have noticed personally is from before when we didn't have a ticket system at all to now where we do, it's like men generally aren't even trying to get in anymore, really, are they? It's like not like cishet men anyway, they're really not even trying to get in. Whereas before, I was spending like a quarter of my night kicking guys out who had slipped through the net and just not, you know, we're not behaving appropriately. Now it's like they don't even really come because they're looking, they're broke, so they're looking at it and they're like, Shh, fuck that shit. and they have no reason to be. You know what I mean? The world was built for you to succeed, babe. You can go anywhere, bro. You've got no reason to be broken, you've got no reason to be a pussy palace. Like, get it together. <laughs> I heard that Nadine they were going out in the club space from the age of like 13, 14, mm. and I'm wondering what your relationship to the club space was. Like, were you both going out? Um. <laughs> I, I, definitely, I definitely was using other people's IDs at like 16, but it wasn't as crazy as Nadine. Nadine literally was raised in the club. I joined Clubland, yeah, around 16, but it was just full of anxiety for me because I looked like a man, <laughs> a very fit, sexy man, but still like a man nonetheless. So it just filled me with anxiety because I was just, every time I was there, I was just like, oh, like, what's going on? Why, like, why are girls moving to me? And why, like, what's going on? I'm so confused. Because in my mind, I, just, I looked like a woman, but it wasn't translating on the outside. So Clubland was very just quite traumatic for me until I found Pussy Palace. I was, I was clubbing consecutively from the age of 16 to 22, or like 21 when I eventually found Pussy Palace, but I wasn't really enjoying myself. I was having to get like shit-faced to enjoy myself, whereas now I can go to Pussy Palace and be sober and just have the best time, you know? Yeah, yeah I was kind of a late bloomer, as I said already, um, already. I'm 24 now. I think I started clubbing as I, was, as I was like 18. I went to like Scala, that was my first queer, queer nightclub. And again, feeling like you was just going out, it wasn't fun, it wasn't enjoyable, just felt uncomfortable mm. in straight spaces. And Pussy Palace has been like amazing for me in the past year. I've gone to so many new like club nights and, and old ones, but been able to really just express and explore. And like, I've, yeah, been able to do that very recently. But yeah, clubbing, I've not really been a nightlife babe. Even like, yeah, I've just been BTS a lot of the time. <laughs> I like to be at home. I mean, Pussy Palace parties go late. So from not, <laughs> not being a... 
night owl to being there till I'm six outside. in the morning. No. You're outside. Yeah, I'm outside. 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 Oh yeah. 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 Um, talk to me about Overflow Festival. Oh my gosh, the Overflow Festival is the festival that we are putting on. It's basically it's Nadine and Naeem's baby. Naeem started Babes, BBZ, if anybody's familiar with Babes. Another legendary, legendary, legendary queer space. Um, and yeah, I guess it's a festival where, again, it's, it's for everybody, but we're centering who we sent out at Pussy Palace, so the queer babes, the black and brown babes. And again, we're doing that through lineups. We're doing that through, we've got a queer marketplace where um, there'll be product and services offered by queer uh, founded businesses and stuff like that. We've got a sanctuary space. It's just going to be like a beautiful, it's going to be like Pussy Palace and babes like on a bigger scale, I feel. It's going to be really amazing. And we've got an amazing lineup as well. We've got an amazing lineup. But I mean, also, even though we're approaching security as well, we've hired like queer centered, founded um, security teams, and like we're training them to like mm. have our approach to, to nightlife and how we handle our guests as well. So, like, that I think is kind of one of the biggest things, you know? Yeah, I guess the way that Pussy Palace has shaped nightlife is what now Overflow is trying to do, or yeah, embarking on trying to do with, with the festival spaces, just trying to make it more accessible to our communities. And when is it? So people September 18th. <laughs> oh, yeah, September 18th. <laughs> Badgers Park. Um, tickets are on sale now. We've got a sick lineup. We've got a Jeremy. We've got Nayana IZ. We've got a Baby Mother. We've got, we got LSDXOXO. Tiger Paw. <laughs> Lady Shaka. We've just got too many Donny icons. Sunny Sunshine. Sunny Sunshine. For the years that, Maya, like you've been with, working with Pussy Palace, like, do you find... I know... It's kind of like Pussy Palace is its own universe. Mm. But, I mean, do you go to other parties? Yeah, definitely. Similarly, exactly like how Ryan said, once I went to Pussy Palace, it exposed me to a whole community of black and brown queer folk that are putting on amazing spaces. And then just the, the, like queer, the queer scene in general, like it kind of threw me into that. And you realize that there is a whole community of people that are doing amazing, amazing, amazing things. And we joke about like Pussy Palace being like the best place ever, but there's so much variety. Definitely, I feel like following in, following in people's footsteps, but there's definitely <laughs> an amazing now variety of nights that yeah. you can go to and that I personally enjoy so much. Like, yeah. Because I find there are loads of different events to go to, but I don't know if it, that's because this, the scene is changing or like there's more representation or have I just not been aware of all of these parties? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I hear you. I think the scene's changing, you know. I think it's getting wet. I think just there's so much more parties happening. There's a new party all the time. I think it's almost getting oversaturated. And I think, um, yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's good. I think we need variety. You know, I think our community deserves to be able to club hop. And to not just say, oh, it's Pussy Palace tonight. That's, that's where we have to go. I think that our community be able to, should be able to say, hey, it's Pussy Palace and five other parties that are for us. You know, let's decide where we want to go. or Let's club up. And I think we deserve that. But at the same time, I would love to see now our community go into things like daytime stuff or like workshop events or like more educational things, you know, like teach me about metadata. I want to know that shit because I don't, <laughs> so, you know, give me a metadata party. <laughs> 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 
No, I find like club club nights is such a tough industry. Like most of the lifespan of club nights is like one or two years max. Like they come and go and it's so mm. hard. And I, I used to promote events. I think you came to one of like mm -hmm. years ago. But like I find it so difficult. But as you guys mentioned before that, you know, it might from the outside it look it feels like a really well oiled machine. Like it just runs. Thank you so you much. You know? And you just always know that it's going to be sick, the lineup's going to be, like, you just know what to expect, and it's always hitting that standard every time, which is incredible. I mean, I look at that, and as a promoter, and I've been throwing a party in two and a half years, it stresses me out. I get so tired mm. of, like, it's so much work, and it's so much, because I can't separate my event from myself. Mm -hmm. Like, if I have a great night, I'm like, yeah, of course, because I'm sick. If I have a terrible night, I'm like, oh my god, like, my life is over. So I wonder, like, do you, are you so emotionally connected in that way? Or are you able to kind of separate yourself? Because it's a monthly thing. Oh, that is such a good question. I really wish Nadine was here right now, because they've <laughs> been speaking about this quite frequently. So I'm going to try and 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 speak for them but <laughs> they've been saying recently that they've been struggling a lot with that that they tied their identity so much into pussy palace and i've learned a lot from them saying this because i'm able to, to kind of apply it to myself now as well but what they've done as of recent is try and say look pussy palace is amazing i love what i do but it is not who i am it is my job and in that, I think they're trying to find a space where, okay, the night, the night might not go amazingly, but I'm, that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm a shit promoter, I'm a shit person, you know? So I guess I'm trying to adopt that mindset because similarly to you, my mood for the weeks following Pussy Palace, probably the whole month until we had our chance to prove ourselves again <laughs> at the next one. It was like, it was so, so reliant on how the night went, yeah. you know? So yeah, I think um, it's just a constant conversation with yourself in it. And also we're trying really hard as a team to, to boundary, right? Yeah. You know, to boundary yourselves. And to, I'm the queen of boundaries. I just, <laughs> these bitches will text me after six. I just will not reply. <laughs> I'll see the phone ringing and I'll be like. <laughs> so I think um, it's that stuff like that is important. It's really important to try and create that distance between your work and what we do, and like our actual soul and spirit. You know? When you speak about having a great night, what constitutes, like, like what would need to happen for you to, at the end of the night, be like, that was amazing? Um, I like the, I, I like a good turnout, you know? It's always sad for me if the turnout isn't as great, which, you know, we, we had a party during Storm Eunice. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> you know, we was at like half capacity that night. But actually saying that, actually that was, was one of my favourite parties. It, it was shit. actually really great. It yeah. felt like a little like house, big house party. And yeah. we shut upstairs, so everyone was downstairs. And it was just like, everyone was all boxed in. It's raining outside. But we're in here and we're together. And the music's great. It's what it felt like. It was great. Yeah, that's true. So I guess maybe what constitutes... It's just the vibe. It's just the vibe of the party. It's very... It's very it's hard to put your finger on and hard to actually articulate, but it's literally just a feeling. Like, the only, I think I've only ever had one or two Pussy Palaces where I thought, like, this was not cute. And it's been very much just about the, the energy in the room, like, the type of people you've got there. Maybe 
too many people, too many first timers have come and they're not really, they don't understand the fragility of the space and how gentle we like to be with people. So there's a lot of pushing and shoving and those type of things just end up translating into an energy shift that is kind of foreign to Pussy Palace because everyone's like, peace and love, peace and love and titties, yeah, you know, when you come into Pussy Palace. So when it's not that, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Speaking of boundaries, you focus on saying that you're setting boundaries and not using the term safer spaces. Mm. Can you elaborate a little bit on that and why you think it's important to differentiate? Yeah, I think, um, well, initially, everyone was calling Pussy Palace a safe space, safe space. Um, but that just felt uncomfortable because we, can't, we just can't guarantee safety anywhere, ever. You know, we could put somebody in a bubble and we still can't guarantee safety because we don't know, some psycho might come over and pop it. Like, we just, we just can't ever guarantee safety. So it just felt a little bit irresponsible to call, to call Pussy Palace a safe space because it's not, nowhere is, We're, you know? So many things that can kill us every minute of every day, <laughs> so it's like, we just can't call it a safe space. So we reject that type of label. We started using safer for a while, but I think like intentional is what feels right to us now, because it's like, we can have all the intentions of creating a space where you guys feel safe and feel comfortable, um, but that's all we can do. We can have those intentions and we can put things in, in place to try and, um, uh, execute those, and but ultimately, like we can't. If a if a bomb's gonna go off, bitch, like well, I can't do nothing about that. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but also like uh, safety is like is quite subjective as well. Like different guests have different needs, mm. and to act and pretend that we can meet all those needs is yeah, again, it's irresponsible. So I think that was also kind of like the the sentiment behind it. We can only do what we can do. And that's it, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, how intentional everything is. It is a party at the end of the day. And, like, there's how many people off their face. Like, there's mm -hmm. not so much you can do after a certain point. But you guys do an many amazing job, like, setting up as many boundaries as possible so to prevent bad things happening. So that's amazing. Thank you. We try. Um, we try. <laughs> um, how do you guys both find DJing? Oh, how do we find DJ? I think Ryan's, Ryan's the DJ superstar. Oh my guys. gosh, no, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm like a baby DJ. I mean, I've, I've, I've been doing pretty good and I really enjoy it. I didn't realize how it's a great skill to have. And obviously, yeah. Okay, where am I going with this? I really enjoy DJing. I find it sometimes hard to validate it for myself. People can say, oh my God, you had a great set, you did great. But sometimes I don't feel like good in myself. So I'm still working on like, being proud of myself and like what it means to me and still finding my sound as well. Like I just, yeah, but I've just thrown myself into it and I just love it so much. It's amazing. Mm. It's everything. I do love DJing too, but it's like, I make music and I talk, like I, I chat shit. Those are the two main things that I really, really love to do. <laughs> so give me a podcast. Give me like, I've obviously got like a radio show on Foundation FM. Like give me that type of thing. And I'm like, yeah, but DJing, 
Um, yeah, I love it. I love that it pays my bills, and I'm not gonna chat too much shit about it because, like I said, it pays my bills. So I, say, I love DJ so much. Book me, everybody. Book me. <laughs> Just like promoting events, I'm like, I I am never gonna complain as a DJ ever again. Do you know what I mean? Because all I have to do is look cute, turn out five minutes before my set, carry a tiny little bag with a USB, maybe borrow headphones, <laughs> and that's it. And I get paid. It's yeah. putting on events. It's like. It's so long. Yeah. It's very that. And you know, I understand it can be strenuous, the late nights and stuff. There have been times where I've been like, oh my God, this is so hard. That is such <laughs> hard work. But um, ultimately, like, no, yeah, we've actually got it good. We've actually got it good. So, yeah. Big up DJ, man. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've, well, Nadine's performed at Glastonbury. You've supported Brie Runway. That looks mm. amazing. Um, and you've got Overflow. What is next for Pussy Palace this Ooh. year? Or five years from now, ten years from now? Ooh. Oh, five years from now, ten years from now. The, it's, actually, it's actually so hard to say. The possibilities are endless. Obviously, ideally, we would love to have our own like, physical space. You know? I think that's what the community needs. I think generally in London, that would be amazing. But the state of nightlife and the state of venues right now is just like... I don't know, maybe when, I don't know, it's, it seems kind of crazy. So I guess we're just taking it day by day, week by week, year by year. But definitely I'm really looking forward to, once we get overflow out of the way, um, I'm looking forward to really working on cementing the infrastructure. Because I know you say that from the outside it looks like a... That super <laughs> flowing, well-oiled machine, but, but girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah, it, I think I'm really, really looking forward to after overflow, just being able to to make it into that because we're nearly there. But it would be great for it to to become this really well-oiled machine so that we can kind of sit back, you know, and yeah. just watch it yeah. Yeah. happen. Yeah. What about you? I know we've got a tour in the works. You want to travel around <laughs> town. You, you want to go abroad. <laughs> we have to. I think that's amazing. We want to touch. We want to touch all the corners. So that's that's what mm. I'm super excited about. I think, yeah, because the palace is already you know recognised worldwide. That's just you know, yeah, keep going. I love yeah. that you said vent owning a venue as well, because yeah. we can we can come into these spaces, but it's like we need the ownership of it. And yeah. with the state oh of London, God, it's yeah. just, there's no, yes, like, it's absolutely. so fickle as it is. It's so fickle. And honestly, as a queer party, queer parties, black parties, brown parties, any type of party where you're not cis, het, and white, it's like you're going to, guaranteed, you're going to run into a lot of resistance. Like, working with venues and working with security teams, honestly, for me personally, it's been like the biggest pain in the arse of this whole experience and this whole process. Um, we found we've got a great venue now that we work with Big Up Colour Factory. We yes. love you guys. <laughs> but um, it's been a journey to find that place. So I just cannot wait until, yeah, more of us from the community own venues. We need more queer venues, more trans venues, more black venues, more brown venues. Just we need more of that. I look forward to that. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Would you like to drop your social so everyone can follow you? Oh, yeah. Sure. So follow us firstly on Pussy Palace, which is P-X-S-S-Y Palace. Um, and then I'm on Maya Memi, M-Y-A-M-E-H-M-I. And my socials is It's Ryan Novell, I-T-S-R-Y-A-N-L-O-V-E-L-L. 
And thank you so much for having me. Give it up for Pussy Mommy. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Maya and Ryan from Pussy Palace. I hope you enjoyed that live episode and please make sure you also subscribe, follow, and rate the show to keep posted on new episodes. You can also get in touch with me at Don't Call Me Exotic Pod and at OANIO on Instagram. You can also send me an email at Don't Call Me Exotic Pod at gmail.com. Oh, and make sure you don't call people exotic. Bye.